morning, ladies and gents. Hope you well. Right then, so I'm a little bit overdue on this one, so I thought I'd try and squeeze in a podcast. Way to get started. I've probably covered this before. You know, I say the same things a lot because it's all very simple stuff. But what I feel is that um, mostly we're running around in circles trying to deny what's right in front of our eyes, the really obvious. So, okay, here I go again. I find a lot of head teachers are paralysed. They know there's a need to improve the culture of their school, but they they don't know where to start. I think they do know where to start, but I think everybody's searching for the best option. What option should I take that will give me the biggest bang for my book? What option should I take that will give me the biggest impact the fastest? And at the same time, I want the biggest impact, the fastest impact, and the one that will offend nobody. Right? Look, this is just silly. (laughs) You are going to offend people because it's change. Some of your teachers will not want change. Some of your parents will not want change. Some of your children will not want change. And some of the changes that you make will not be optimum. You'll do some stuff in it. There'll be unintended consequences. There'll be things that don't work right. Well, to coin a phrase, and I've used this before, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes, you try and think about the unintended consequences. Yes, you explain and over-communicate what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's not to apologise for what you're doing. That's not to ask permission for what you're doing. It's to explain. This is our current situation as I see it. We want to change the situation. I want to change the situation. It's my job to be the person that leads the school and changes where we currently are into something better. And this is the direction I've chosen. And this is what we're going to do. People often ask me, how long does it take to turn a school culture around? And I always say, well, how consistent are you prepared to be? It's like a diet. I want a six pack. Okay, how long will that take? Well, what exercise are you going to do? But more importantly, what are you going to eat? How consistent are you going to be? You'll only get to your destination. Destination. You're never finished. On this journey of school improvement, you will never, ever be finished. People will always be throwing mud at you. People will always be trying to put a spanner in the works. People will always be trying to knock you off track. But on this journey of school improvement, there'll be highs, there'll be lows. It'll never be finished. You'll always be criticised, but you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going and you've got to be persistent in your pursuit of what you want. You can only be persistent when you know what your values are. If your values are only, do you think Ofsted will like this, they're not your values. If your values are only, they're somebody else's values, aren't they? Think about it. Will Ofsted like this? Will my chief exec like this? Will my regional director like this? This layer upon layer upon layer of management within trusts. Some trusts I work with or some heads I work with don't have a lot of intervention from their trust. And as a consequence, they have more more scope. That, I think, 
has a potential to work better. But it's complex because some people who are kind of standalone within a trust, or more standalone, shall we put it, um, they lack guidance sometimes. They lack guidance, they lack somebody to bounce off. Um, then some people in larger organisations, they straight jacketed it. Anyway, I'm meandering a bit, as is my want. So how long will it take to turn around to school? How persistent are you willing to be? How clear are your objectives? How clear are your values? That's what you've got to know. Where to start? My original question. What's your capacity? Now, part of your capacity is, do you know what you want? Part of your capacity is, how big are the risks you're willing to take? Part of your capacity is, how fast are you prepared to go? How consistent are you prepared to be? What are your own limitations? What's your own personal capacity? Because you haven't, you haven't got endless talent, you haven't got endless ability, you haven't got endless time, and your team around you. What's the composition? What's the makeup of the team around you? Your SLT. Are they bright? Are they aligned with your values? Um, are they not that bright? Are they not aligned with your values? Are they not very good with people? Are they not very good teachers? Are they delusional? Because all of these things can be true. You know, often you have an SLT that you inherited or was foisted upon you. And when it comes to employing people from outside, you know, your, your recruitment, well, we all know how hard recruitment is. So you're taking people on because it's the best you can find. Okay, so you've got a team of people around you that aren't great. How good are you at training them? Well, can you walk the talk? Can you show them in corridors, at lunch, at break, at lesson changeovers, in lessons, what you want? Or are you just saying to them, I want you to be in charge of this, 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 this. Come back and show me when it's done. I say a lot of that. I see head teachers that don't take control of their school culture. They send people off to do essentially tick-pock exercises. How long will it take to turn around to school? What's your capacity? What are your values? How on top of this brief are you? Are you paralysed by the possibility that you may get something wrong? So my advice would be, take the risk. My advice would be, break it down into manageable chunks. I would look at your English, maths and science department. I'd look within those departments and go, who are my strongest teachers in English, maths and science? And I'd polish them further. So very often people will say to me, yeah, but they're my good teachers. I don't want to work with my good teachers. I need to work with my bad teachers. No, because your good teachers won't be that good. Do you have the ability, the capacity, does your team have the ability and capacity to turn a decent teacher or a goodish teacher into a very good teacher? Start there. English, maths and science, because those teachers are seeing kids five times a week. So those teachers, if they're very good, can have a very significant impact on those kids. You can't, look, again, I say this a million times, 
You may have a super keen art teacher, RE teacher, music teacher. They hardly see the kids. We shouldn't have a broad and balanced curriculum. It's ridiculous. When broad and balanced means your music teacher sees kids possibly 50 minutes a week. There may be a two-week timetable and they see them once a fortnight. Your RE teacher similarly hardly sees them, hardly knows their names. You're doing two languages, but what that means is one of the languages, or maybe both the language, they hardly see the kids. But it's broad and balanced. Ofsted like it. Yeah, and the teacher never gets a chance to really build on what they're trying to teach. But that's the system we're in. It's a very, very, very imperfect system. So you work within the system. You work within the system whilst trying to change the system as much as you can. You're trying to change the system, but you're scared that you'll lose your job. I understand all of that. Where do you start if you want to turn a school around? Know your values. Focus on English, math, science. And within English, math, science, your very best teachers in English, math, science. Depending upon your capacity, improving the skills and the, that means the delivery skills and the resources of one English teacher, one math teacher, one science teacher. That's a lot. You're doing that whilst also trying to do your day job as you see it. A lot of heads see their day job as paperwork. Strip back the paperwork as much as possible. Strip back the bureaucracy as much as possible. As much as possible, but what does that mean? Well, stop kowtowing to fashion. It is your job to be out at break and modelling. It is your job to be out at lunch and modelling. It is your job to be out at every every lesson changeover and modelling. It is your job to be in lessons, stopping the lesson, modelling what how you want teaching to be. You are never going to change teaching. You are never going to change behaviour. You are never going to change expectations by a series of inset days at the start of a half term. They're not listening. The message is too generic. They don't know how to translate your message in the hall with 100 teachers. They don't know how to translate that message into, ah, in my classroom, this is what it looks like. So we have to show teachers we can tell them in an inset, we can tell them in a, a start of term CPD, we can send them a PowerPoint. But we've got to physically get in the room and show them, this is how we get kids in, this is how we hand out books, this is how we get kids out, this is how we do Q&A, this is how we use exemplars, this is how we pitch higher, this is how we use more evolved language. Teacher expectations are often incredibly low. You won't know that until you're in those lessons with those teachers. Until you're looking at their resources and thinking, well, these kids are being... It's a disservice to them because we ask so little of them. We ask little of them in terms of attention, in terms of behaviour, in terms of courtesy, in terms of quality and quantity of output. But again and again and again, I say it. But you're not going to know that if you're in your office. You'll only know what there needs to be done by being on the ground in classrooms. Going in rooms, watching. Mm. Kids slouch. Kids doodle. Kids look around the room. 
Kids aren't listening to the teacher. The teacher himself, he's imprecise in his explanations. He's accepting children who are inattentive. He's talking at them, but they're not, they're not listening to him. The teacher doesn't know how to preempt the high frequency errors. You're not going to know any of that unless you're in lessons. Yeah, but when do I do the rest of my job? Strip it back. Give your SLT paperwork to do. But if you're the one who knows how to step up and how to perform and how to teach and you know the model that you want, you have to do it. Nobody else can do that for you. Paperwork, other people can do paperwork and then place much less of an importance on the paperwork. You take the boxes to please the trust, to please the DFE, to please Ofsted. You take the boxes in the, the minimal manner you can because the boxes are a distraction. The paperwork is a distraction. None of these things will change the culture of your school. Yes, they'll help you fight another day. They'll help you get the good. But let's get the good. Let's take those meaningless boxes with, with all the respect they deserve. Not a lot. Instead, focus your energies on identifying your values, identifying what's wrong in the school, identifying where you are, where you want to get to, and identifying the teachers, the small number of teachers initially, that you can work with and you can change. You're probably looking at your best teachers and you want to make them better first. And then you build. Now you've got a series of teachers that were okay. Now they're good. The teachers that were less good, you can now build on them. And we've got role models in school. Your very weakest teachers will always be weak, but you can make them less weak. When you're recruiting, you can show people exactly what the model looks like now. And you can be very honest about what you want them to assimilate with. Start small. Start according to your capacity. Me, I would do things differently. I'm like a bulldozer. But that's me. Do what is in your capacity. Do First of all, understand where you are, what you want, and then work with a small number of people. I talk about assemblies a lot. Physical capacity, geography, size of the classrooms, uh, sorry, size of the hall, size of the year groups. You may decide, I would love to do, I think school should be about 800 kids. I don't think it should be bigger. But they're often a lot bigger. Okay. So therefore, you can't do a key stage three assembly five days a week. But you might be able to do an assembly that's 7 and 8 on a Monday, 8 and 9 on a Tuesday, um, 7 and 8 on a Wednesday, and so on. So you're seeing 7, 8, 9, lots and lots and lots. Maybe not all three-year groups together. And then talk to them like they're human beings. God, I hear so many people talking to children as if... It's like they're, they, it's like they're writing a, a Ceph. No. Talk to them like human. Ladies and gents, the reason to do slant is pretty easy, really. You're not listening, okay? And I need you to listen. Because your teachers, their words are gold dust. They're gonna, they know all the tricks. They're going to help you get really good grades, right? But obviously, we've got to work together as a team. 
and also was the team captain. So every second counts. When you fold your arms, it stops you fiddling. When you fold your arms, it stops you being distracted. When you fold your arms, it keeps you awake half the time. Because I'm not going to lie to you, sometimes lessons are a bit boring. They are. We get bored, you get bored. It's human nature. You know what life is? It's a series of boring events you just have to navigate. Yeah? There's some good bits. Of course there are. But there's also a lot of stuff that you just don't want to do. But you just struggle through it. So what we're teaching you is we're teaching you delayed gratification. What that means is, yeah, I know this is a pain. Got to get it done because it'll get me towards my goal. Every one of us on the planet who's ever been successful at anything has learned delayed gratification. We've got to talk to kids honestly about the psychology of, yeah, I know you want to give up. Yeah, I want you, I know you want to mess around. But that's not the route of success. And we're not going to let you do that. We're the grown-ups. We're going to tell you what to do. You don't like it? Tough. We are your bosses. Very kind. And you'll see that in time. But we're definitely your bosses. Let's be honest with children. Let's pick them up the other day. I was teaching a year eight class, doing a model lesson. Um, taught a year seven class. They were all very smiley, love it, da 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 da. Taught the year eight class. It was palpable. Now, in this school, in theory, they do slant. Clearly, the slant hasn't embedded well. Okay, so I'm doing slant with them, arms folded. Thank you very much, ladies and gents. Arms folded exactly like me. They're not folding their arms exactly like me. Ladies and gents, exactly like me, they're constantly fiddling. They're constantly falling out of slant. Ladies and gents, can you push your pens, pencils, rules to the far side? Again, very slow to do it, picking up pens, fiddling. Uh, then we tried to do a bit of choral repetition. The way they did the choral repetition, well, it was deliberately, what they were doing was demonstrating to their mates, we're not going to persevere. Sorry, we're not going to cooperate. We're going to do it in this drony, miserable, uncooperative voice. This is how we demonstrate we're not going to work with you. They were giving major pushback in everything they did. Now, by the end of the lesson, they were better. But part of my tactic is going to be, oh, ladies and gents, I know exactly what you're doing. Arms folded, exactly like me. What you're trying to do, you're trying to push back. What you're trying to do, you're trying to fight me. Don't fight me. You're never going to win. I'm the team captain. Every adult in this school is the team captain. It's your job to fit in with this team. We are one team. We're not the enemy. So when you're constantly scratching when you don't need it, when you're constantly yawning without putting your hand over your mouth, when you're stretching in an exaggerated manner, when you keep picking up your pen and putting it down, when you're attempting to doodle on paper or on your hand, all of those are tactics. It's showing me contempt. It's trying to undermine me. Don't do it. I know exactly what you're doing. I'll explain to you really carefully what is needed. So you're in no doubt, because I know it can be confusing, because you have five or six different teachers a day, and their standards are all very different. We need to work on that. So we are more consistent with you, so you know exactly what is needed. But I'm not allowing you to give me the kind of effort levels you're giving me now. I'm not allowing you to undermine or attempt to undermine this lesson. It isn't good enough. There are people in this room that want to learn, but they frightened to show enthusiasm because they're looking at their mates and going, is this okay? Do, am I allowed to show this level of enthusiasm or not? When they raise their hand, but it's only half raised, it's a demonstration to their mates. Nah, I'm not really into it. I'm not really cooperating. When they give an answer that's monosyllabic, 
it's the same. When they slouch, it's the same. When their shirt is out, it's the same. When you ask them to put their shirt in and they just roll up a corner, it's the same. And every single time you allow the shirt that's not ducked in properly, uh, the skirt that's not rolled down, the arm that's not raised properly, the monosyllabic response, the inaudible response, when we do the register, you call the register and they answer in the most feeble voice possibly, possible, yes, sir. It's demonstrating to their mates, you see, I'm part of your tribe. I don't fit in with the teachers. I don't cooperate with the teachers. And when we let that go, we're undermining any chance we have of getting those kids to be enthusiastic and to learn lots and lots in lessons. So if you want to turn a school round, you've got to be aware of all of that. And you've got to be challenging that in your daily assemblies. You've got to be challenging that in the corridor, on the stairs, at break, at lunch, in every lesson you drop into. You may drop into the same teacher's lots. Get those teachers up to a higher standards. Get those teachers to understand your values. But we've got to challenge this apathy the children show. But these but children show apathy to demonstrate to their mates, look, I'm not a freak. I'm normal. I'm like you. I don't work with the teachers. I work against the teachers. And I'm going to tell the kids, oh, when you do all this, you're working against me, not with me, not good enough. You don't work against me. You work with me because together we're a team. We know how to get you great grades if you work with us. I can't do anything if you don't. And if you're in lesson, you're flogging a, a dead horse and the children won't cooperate and they deliberately won't answer or they won't do choral repetition, that's okay, you just got lots of reading, got lots of writing. They'll get, they'll get a lot more out of that than you trying to flog a dead horse and in the fullness of time, you, you keep jumping in, interspersing it with trying to get some more energy out of them. But you're building your relationship with them around school. So it's lots of meeting, lots of greeting. How are you today? Oh, try it again, please, sir. Checking them on their body language, their facial expression, their tone of voice. Again and again and again. So they get multiple opportunities to demonstrate they're with you or against you. I'm asking more of them. So when I ask them to fold their arms exactly like me, I've been deliberate. I've given them an opportunity to show they're with me or against me. And when they are with me, I'll say, good. I can see you with me. Excellent. That's what I'm looking for. This is fast. Why not meet them at the door and say, coat equipment bags, coat equipment bags, bag off your shoulder, please, before they come through the door. I'm giving them the opportunity to show they're with me against me. When I'm saying, pen, um, pen pencil ruler, pen pencil ruler on your desk, please. Pencil case out, open your pencil case, pen pencil ruler on your desk, standing behind your chairs, arms folded, shows me you've got your pen pencil ruler out. Thank you. We're going to do this five, six times a day and you're going to be fast. This is how we're efficient. I'm giving them opportunities to show they're with me or against me. And when they're against me, I'm going to call them on it straight away. When they're standing behind the chairs as they come in, ladies and gents, as you're waiting, pen ruler, pencil out, please, on your desk, far side of the desk, can you be tucking your shirts in, please? Tuck them in, not roll them in. Roll the skirts down, please. Pull the trousers up, sort your ties out, just while you're waiting for more people to arrive. And I'm saying that on a loop. And I'm filling the void. So they know, these are my expectations. And I have to say it repeatedly, standing behind your chairs, please. 
standing behind your chairs, please, as some of them deliberately go to sit down. Sometimes that's just indicative of how inconsistent the school is. Pen, ruler, pencil on your desk, not in your pencil case. Open your pencil case, pen, ruler, pencil out. I have to say it repeatedly because they'll put their pencil case on their desk without opening their pencil case and then fold their arms again in another attempt to slow everything down. They try to work against me. Now they do this with all teachers. I'm just the one spotting it. I'm just the one calling them on it. But we need this consistency across staff. And they we're not going to get that unless we're training staff. Part of the training is, yes, you do recordings. Yes, you do inserts. Assemblies, assemblies, assemblies. Which are CP opportun- CPT opportunities. And getting in the classroom and modelling, modelling, modelling. It's the only way. But I'm overwhelmed. Where do I start? Start with your very best teachers. But they're my best teachers, yeah, and they're still not that good. Make them better. Do you have the capacity to make them better? Do you have a concept of what really good teaching looks like? Then take them on that journey. Make them the teacher that you want them to be. Oh, but what about autonomy? Look, you're employed, you've employed these teachers to be subject experts. You're going to discover when you're in their lessons that often they're not. Their delivery skills are poor, their subject knowledge is poor, their resources are poor. We have to make them better. Where their autonomy will come from is their ability to deliver really well in English, math, science, history, whatever the subject is. So their expertise, their autonomy should come from their subject knowledge. But you have to give them a house style how to teach. Otherwise, you've got a hundred staff all making very different and disparate decisions. It's confusing for kids. It wastes a lot of time. It gives kids the opportunity to mess around. And often the autonomous decisions they make are not very good. I know Twitter, we live in this world of unicorns and rainbows where every teacher is incredibly good and incredibly into their subject and just super slick and so hardworking. That isn't reality. You know what the recruitment pool out there is. It's bloody odd. Yes, there are some good teachers. But there are also lots of teachers that aren't very good at all. And there'll be lots of them in your school. So if you want to improve your school, you've got to be honest about where the school is at at the moment. And let's face it, why would teachers be good when they haven't had adequate training? When they haven't had somebody leading the culture of the school? The very best you can hope for is you've got some halfway decent teachers that are all doing their own thing. E pluribus unum. I need a unified force where we're working together with common understanding of what excellent teaching looks like. This is how we make every second count. They're not going to get that by you being in your office looking at a spreadsheet. They're not going to get that by you in endless meetings with parents that just don't listen. They'll get that by you showing them, this is our house style, this is how it works. And you're in the process, you're going to learn a lot about yourself as a teacher. You're going to learn a lot about, I'm asking them to do stuff that I can't do very well myself. So I need to revisit that and think, how can I be better? How can I make these strategies more workable? What do I say a lot of these days? Turn and talk has become very popular. It's done really badly.
If you're asking them to do stuff that's done badly, you need to think, how can I make this work well? Or is it a strategy that really isn't workable anyway? Many whiteboards done badly, lots and lots and lots. Lineups done badly, lots and lots and lots. And it goes on. 